You're listening to All Things Relax with Sandy D. Inspiring women to relax, rejuvenate, and find their inner zen. Here's your host, Sandy D. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Sandy D, Queen of Podcast Zen. Today, I'm going to share the importance of setting our pride and ego aside and asking for help. So to start, let me just tell you about the past two weeks over in our home. As you might know, we just adopted an Aussie doodle puppy whom we've called Joey. I was given a heads up by the lady we adopted from that he might have some high energy levels and was definitely an attention seeker. Little did we know, he is, as many Aussie Doodles apparently are, um, he's a Velcro puppy, which means he not only wants to be the constant center of attention, but he needs to be close to his loved ones all the time. Talk about codependent. (laughs) The amount of attention and care that he requires Reminds me of the early years of parenthood, which was a long time ago for me, because <laughs> my oldest is 21. My first experience being a mom, uh, well, the hardest part of it was the witching hour, we so called it, after the sun went down. And I'm, it's no joke, like this would kick in maybe six, seven o'clock at night. And my older son, when he was a baby, would just stop crying nonstop. And to make matters worse, Nothing we could do to get him to sleep in his crib. Like, it just wouldn't work. He would only sleep if he was, like, sleeping on my chest. And I tried, like, all the tricks of the parenthood trade. You name it. Car rides, singing lullabies, whatever. Relaxing music, slipping in maybe sometimes some baby Tylenol, you know. I don't remember all those tricks, but all I can remember is how exhausting it was. Um, And finally, like... I decided, you know what, I'm going to follow my women's intuition and took the baby into the pediatricians. Let me tell you, the first doctor was really a pill because he treated me like some neurotic first time mom and didn't listen to what I was telling him about the baby. Well, for any of the moms listening out there, if you're ever treated like this by a doctor who just kind of dismisses your concerns and doesn't listen, get a second opinion especially if you're a first-time mom. Listen to that intuition. Luckily, I did, and it meant a long car ride from the outer realm of suburban Maryland to downtown D.C. So I ended up going back to, like, the pediatrician practice that was associated or affiliated with the hospital where my son was born. And so the the pediatrician at GW, George Washington, um, affiliated with George Washington Hospital, She was a woman originally from New York, so immediately we clicked over that, and she did not question my parenting skills. After doing a quick physical and asking me a couple questions, notably like learning that he was a, he had been a preemie, she said, well, I'm positive uh, that he's crying because he's got a double inguinal hernia. But just to double check, here's a referral to the Children's Hospital in D.C., So follow up with a specialist, you know, confirm, because if this is a double inguinal hernia, it's really important to get this um, repaired. Otherwise, this kind of sounds gross and TMI, but like the, the like bowels can like get tangled up in these little, you know, sections that need to be closed off or whatever. It can be life threatening. So a double inguinal hernia that's not repaired, um, if it doesn't close up in time, 
it can be a real emergency. So, you know, take care of it. So imagine if I had not followed my intuition and, you know, just kind of went along with the first doctor's dismissal who said, oh, your baby has colic and kind of treated me like a nervous first time mom. Yeah, not good, right? (laughs) Okay, I'm going to take a short break. And when I come back, I want to talk more about asking for help and taking the time to rest. Ignite the fire within. Sandy D's fire audio affirmations will make you feel fearless and inspired. You will radiate with positive energy, be empowered, and gain clarity. Spark your motivation with these powerful audio affirmations. Bring joy to your heart and soul. Fire affirmations included in the Find Your Inner Zen digital bundle. Available at allthingsrelaxstudios.com. Ignite the fire within. All right, so let's get back to adopting a puppy. Let me tell you, it's a lot like caring for a newborn. Think pure exhaustion from countless hours of trying to figure out what the heck they want. Because, you know, they can't talk, right? Just like babies. I could easily do like 10 TikToks or Reels or something on parenting a new puppy and how it's similar to caring for a newborn. I already have like like ideas in my head popping, but uh, maybe someone else out there could do that. (laughs) But let's talk about um, asking for help just in general. Often it's harder for women to ask for help. And I'm kind of wondering... Why is that? Is it we're just kind of hardwired like that? I don't know. Maybe it's because we're expected to be nurturing at all times. I don't really know. But this week I was interviewed on podcast on the podcast Self Care with Kelsey by Kelsey, self care coach at Simply Bentley. The episode will drop. I'm not sure exactly when, but I'll keep you posted. And Kelsey asked me, what advice did I have for people who are experiencing stress? And the first thing that came to mind was asking for help. If you're struggling with stress, I would say identify who you could reach out to for help. That's like the first thing I would suggest that you do. And you know, help comes in many forms or as they say these days, containers. If you have work-related stress, for example, see if you have an employee assistance program or EAP. And if so... Your, your employer probably would cover the cost of, you know, fixed number of sessions with a therapist, as long as it's referred, you know, for um, the referrals through the EAP program. And if a counselor they recommend to you is not a good fit, you can go back and ask for another referral until you find someone who resonates with you. I recently did so, and the first one really wasn't a great fit for me, um, so... What I did was I said, look, I, I need to keep looking here. <laughs> and they sent me the you know another list. And the second person I went to was wonderful because first of all, we share like similar viewpoints on holistic healing. So she's not just gonna like pop a pill, say here, pop a pill, which is fine. If people need medicine, I have nothing against that. But for me, it's um, really uh, more along the lines of inner work that needs to happen and also doing energy work. Um, Especially as an empath, I tend to let 
uh, negative energies around me kind of get sucked up. Like it's like absorbing them like a sponge and I have to do a better job learning how to disconnect from that. Anyway, this particular counselor and therapist also does energy work. She knows Reiki, which is kind of cool. So I'm really glad that I just kept asking for referrals and got connected to her. So that said, like, again, if you're having some kind of work, even if it's not work related, even if it's other stuff going on in your life, your employer usually has, uh, depending on the employer, of course, this employee assistance program to help you through tough times in life. Highly recommend it. It's a good way to like, so to speak, test drive the therapist and even bonus points if they happen to take your insurance. Um, it's even, you know, it's good because you can have continuity of care, right? But let's say maybe, you know, a therapist or counselor doesn't necessarily work for you because in the past it hasn't always been something that really resonated with me. Um, who else could you reach out to? You could reach out to a friend, your spouse, your partner, a clergy person, a coach. And there's so many different types of coaches, like a life coach, wellness coach, because maybe there's some underlying root cause that's causing a lot of the stress or the stress is causing other you know, health issues, a self-care coach, a mindset coach, or again, back to, you know, maybe a therapist. There's a lot of different, um, there are a lot of people out there who could help you, but you have to actually ask, right? So what is it that holds us back from asking for help? Well, it's usually a misconception that when we ask for help, we're going to be viewed as weak or incompetent. And it's not necessarily that you're conscious of it. It's more your inner bully or your inner critic might just kind of subconsciously or maybe even consciously kind of taunt you in the background. So you have to kind of reassure that inner bully it's okay and it's actually safe to ask for help and that you're not weak, you're not incompetent. It actually is a sign of strength to reach out when you need help. I've held positions where I was team leader and quickly I learned that the strongest leaders are those who delegate and help team members feel like they each have a contribution to make towards a common goal. So when you're stressed out, I would offer to you that you take the time to see what areas either in home or work life are causing it. You know, they sit down, do a massive brain dump, either write it on a piece of paper or type it up in a Google Doc or wherever, whatever works for you, or on notes on your phone, something. Highlight which areas you could seek out help from either family or coworkers, or let's say you're self-employed. Are you at a point where you could maybe hire a virtual assistant for some of the tasks? Put your ego aside and ask for help. If you have young children, Find an age-appropriate task they can help you with. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily work with babies, but you know what I mean. Once they get to a certain age where there are little tasks they can do, and it can be, you know, like at whatever point in time, it could be as simple as, hey, um, you help pick out your clothes, what you're going to wear this morning, or hey, you start learning how to get dressed by yourself. It, I'm just saying, like, depending on the age, find something appropriate where they can help you. You're empowering them. So it's not like, as as far as with children go, as far as children go, you're actually helping them when you delegate to kids and you're telling them, hey, here are some tasks you can do. You're helping them become independent. And same goes, you know, even for beyond, like, 
dealing with kids, like if you're at the workforce, you're helping other colleagues or people working for you, whatever. You're helping them feel empowered and feeling like they matter when you ask for help and you um, have them contribute, right? So like back to the, you know, like children, for example, my sons learned as soon as they could reach the knob and turn on the washing machine, how to do laundry. And there was a pretty early age, like as soon as they got tall enough to do it, they were doing it. <laughs> so I'm sure their future partners are going to someday thank me for that. Because <laughs> I can tell you, I remember back in college, in the laundry room, there were a lot of guys who didn't know how to turn on the washing machine. Yeah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> anyway, don't feel guilty about taking the extra time that you do get from delegating to rest. If it's a work situation, I strongly believe in taking coffee or tea, whatever your beverage is, break, give your brain a rest. It needs it. I used to work for a union shop for a publishing company. It was before Bloomberg bought BNA, which is Bureau of National Affairs. We not only had a lunch break, but we also had two 15-minute breaks. And my first boss there was absolutely the best. She said to both me and there was another guy who started the same day. She said, make sure that you take your breaks. Pace yourself. Do quality work. Do not rush through it all. And don't get intimidated by the stacks of papers that need to be proofread. So we started out as proofreaders. That work is going to get done even if we have to redistribute it, you know, we have a team to do it, but quality matters. So obviously it don't take forever, but like, you know, she said, pace yourselves. Don't like kill yourself doing this work. <laughs> now, I was kind of reflecting more on that and actually decided to go Google and see, you know, more about what goes on U.S. versus even like outside of um, the U.S. Because I've lived in Canada and also in Japan and talked to people all over the world my kids have half their family over in France too, so I know how things work outside of here. In other countries around the globe, work-life balance often swings more in favor of taking time to recharge than it does in the U.S. And when I went about Googling, I found a really good article and it was titled, 11 American Work Habits Other Countries Avoid at All Costs. And it was in Business Insider. So it examines... How the American worth, uh, uh, can't speak English. How the American work ethic is like downright puzzling to people around the globe. So here's a little um, snippet from there. For example, in Europe, the working time directive gives employees in the European Union the right to work no more than 48 hours a week. In practice, employees in some countries like Germany and Sweden work closer to 35 hours a week, according to Gary Cooper, an American-born professor at Manchester Business School in the UK. Craig Storty, author of Communicating Across Cultures, said Europeans consider the typical American workload an ineffective use of time. Europeans see that as being inefficient, Storty told Business Insider. They say, you should have finished that in the allotted time. That really resonated with me. Well, first of all, Craig Stewart is also well-known in the field of like intercultural communication. Um, and as you know, my 9 to 5 is working with international students. And I've read like several of his works um, over the years. And 
what really, really resonated is that viewpoint of whereas in the U.S., like, oh, you're working so hard to put in all these hours. But from another perspective, for example, like in general in Europe, they would look at that and say, well, wait a second, <laughs> that's not really that impressive because you really could have finished that faster maybe. Or it's not that impressive. You really should have rested up and then gone back to it. Like it's not... It's it's all about how you your viewpoint and your perspective. If you look at it from a different perspective, it's really interesting. So some of the unhealthy habits that the article calls out um, are the fact that Americans tend to take less vacation time. And in, with respect to that, I just want to say, well, that's often also because they don't receive as much vacation than counterparts around the globe. Um, same deal with family leave, again, due to a lack of strong social policies in the U.S. I was fortunate because I was allowed to take up to six months of maternity leave when I had my first son because we had a union. So that's why. <laughs> and I had saved up like 10 years of you know sick leave, so I was able to have paid leave. Uh, not everybody's able to do that in the U.S., and in fact, like FMLA, Family Medical Leave Act, doesn't even apply to every single person in the U.S. So, you know, other countries can do so because they have stronger national social policies. Other unhealthy habits that the article called out were the fact that American workers tend to eat at their desks. And as an aside, that is something I learned pretty early on that I need to at a minimum, even if I were to eat at the desk, at a minimum, I need to then get up and go take a walk. Because if I don't, it's really hard to focus after that. My body and my brain need to just physically take a little break from, you know, being glued to the desk or whatever. So back to the article. It also states that a lot of Americans don't take breaks. And I find that appalling. Honestly, that's not acceptable. You really do need to take a break throughout the day. Send emails after hours. That again, you know, there, I think, I don't know if it's across Europe or if it's just in France. Maybe it's just in France. I don't know. I do know there are countries where it is illegal for your employer to bother you after hours. Unless, of course, maybe you're a doctor on a pager, you know, who was on call. But generally speaking, it's illegal for your boss to expect you to be uh, answering the emails after hours in other countries. And, you know, I want to kind of speak to that, too. I also feel that it's also your responsibility to not enable your employer if you're working for someone else. You're you're enabling them to also send those and expect um, you to respond if you don't manage expectations and you don't say, look, after hours, I'm home and it's me time. Um, because if everybody did that, guess what? Maybe that would stop. <laughs> Sorry, but you know. Trying to constantly be on 24-7 is the most unhealthy habit. Seriously, think about it. And then again, there's some, some more things that the article called out. So like they talk about how in general Americans don't necessarily socialize after hours as much with colleagues. Well, gee, I wonder why. Because if they're working so many more hours um, than people in other countries, then it's kind of hard to do that, isn't it? Um, and I do have to say, having lived in Japan where... And there is an expectation that from time to time you do socialize after hours because karaoke is very popular over in Japan. And by the way, if you're not familiar with 
Japanese style karaoke, it's a private room. So it's just like you and your colleagues hanging out, kind of getting to know each other. Um, and you know, doing the karaoke. It does help. Even though the next day you're like supposed to like pretend like you never were there because of course, inevitably there's going to be people who, you know, drink a little too much or whatever. I was always the one who would say, oh, give me some water. And so I would remember everything the next day and I'd have to pretend I didn't see like these other people acting silly. But, but it does create some kind of bond where it's easier to actually help ask for help because you spent some time to get to know the colleagues. So that does help. But again, in the U.S., maybe it doesn't always happen as much because people are so busy working. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying as much. And then also the article is talking about um, how in general in the U.S., people, workers are afraid to question the boss and propose alternative strategies or processes. And they gave an example from, I don't remember, I think it was Denmark maybe, where they said like it would be common for uh, workers to say, hey, maybe we should consider doing this instead and have more of a consensus approach um, to getting things done in the office. And I do want to kind of uh, talk about a little bit more about that. In the U.S. in the last several years, there has been sort of a shift towards what they call um, matrixed approach. And that's just a fancy word for trying to say they're flattening out the hierarchy. But it's kind of like they'll say that, but it's not really actually true because they'll kind of oftentimes, it depends on the place, of course, oftentimes what will happen is, yeah, they seek input from all the workers and they make you pretend to feel empowered and invested. But at the end of the day, it's not a consensus vote when you're trying to um, adopt different processes or procedures. It really isn't. So, you know, whatever. That's just kind of my my experience. Of course, there's maybe difference. Or maybe you're lucky enough to be self-employed and you are the boss. <laughs> or as I say, when you're self-employed, yeah, you are the boss. But guess who really is your boss? It's your customers or your clients. So anyway, I am really drifting off topic of managing stress and um, talking about self-care, but it all, it all is interrelated. But I'll leave a link in the show notes to this article in case you are interested, because seriously, I could talk maybe for like another hour or two just commenting on the information in that article. But my main point with talking about it was the fact that we have normalized overwork in the U.S. and it's time to start questioning why. And it's time to start asking for help, okay? And it's time to give your brain and your body a rest. So in addition to asking for help, take the time to give your brain a rest and your body and recharge. I remember in the 90s, uh, coworkers would tell me that they would find solutions to what they thought were like these impossible, unsolvable problems when they would go outside for a cigarette break. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go out and start smoking. <laughs> That's not at all what I'm saying. But but taking a break will give your brain the time to let new ideas and solutions flow. So that's where the importance of, you know, taking that little time, even if it's 10, 15 minutes, to just turn it off, go do something else, walk away from the desk, get out of your office, you know, go step outside for a minute, get some fresh air. If you can, obviously it depends on what you're doing. And you'll be amazed at how you'll come back 
more refreshed, and it just makes the day go by a lot better. So anyway, I don't know about you, but let me say that I get really grumpy talking about self-care. I get really grumpy if I don't have a change of scenery from time to time. And I know the pandemic was not easy for every, you know, for anyone, right? But for someone like me, who's got perpetual wanderlust or love of travel, it's been, um, it's been interesting. Let's say that for me, self-care involves a change of scenery. So I was so happy a couple of weeks ago to be able to take the family out to Colorado and just enjoy, like, and I talked about this already, but it was just so beautiful to see the Rocky Mountains and just take in nature. It's for me, that's one of my, one of the pillars of self-care for me. I would love to hear what areas in life are causing you the most stress. And if you need a little bit of boost to um, your self-care routine, feel free to check out the Find Your Inner Zen digital bundle. And I'll include a link back um, in the show notes. And in closing, I just want to say here's a little teaser for you. I have some really exciting news coming up um, for July about self-care, but it's too soon for me to tell you. So you're going to have to come back to the next couple of episodes where I can uh, tell you more. Uh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. There's something lined up for end of July that is so amazing. You won't want to miss it. So be sure to come back. It's like an embargo. I can't, I can't release information yet about it. Early July, I'll start telling you. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your support. And remember, don't forget to ask for help. Okay? (laughs) Anyway, take care. Ciao. You have been listening to All Things Relax with Sandy D. Inspiring women to relax, rejuvenate, and find their inner zen. We invite you to leave a comment and review our podcast. Check out our blog at allthingsrelax.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram at allthingsrelax. Until next time.